0: Thank you, Dave. And before we go to prayer, and um, I always appreciate going to the conventions, uh, the Gideon Convention, because uh, it's a time of pastor appreciation. And uh, the Gideons, they pray for us. And uh, I'm going to pray in just a few moments for the Gideons. uh, But before I do, uh, Leonard has a very important announcement to, uh, to make this morning as well.
1: Sometimes when you see someone come to the pulpit and pack, bring out a pack of notes, you think, uh-oh, here we go. <laughs> but this morning, I have something in my throat. Cheryl said, I'm catching something. Well, I wasn't chasing anything. <laughs> People, we say we caught a cold. Well, why was you chasing it? To start? Anyway, <clears throat> if, you've, uh, <clears throat> if you've observed our parking facilities around here, our parking lots, you know, over the past years, they've been deteriorating quite rapidly, and the board felt that it's it's time now that we look into something and do something to uh, preserve what we have and also help to preserve them for the future. So we consulted three different paving contractors. Two of them responded with proposals, and uh, we uh, reviewed them on our last board meeting, and... Uh, we have the results, some figures to show to you, and that's why I have these notes because there's some figures I have to remember. We <clears throat> was looking at the area around the church here, and we got two proposals. And what these proposals would amount to would be take a lot of milling off the surface, and a lot of in some places we'd have to take it out and put new base in. Because one of them is out here beside, right close to the kitchen door, so it's quite a bit of work. The first proposal we got was for for the entire work around here to restore it, and put uh, two inches of uh, f- uh, nine point five millimeter material on and compact compact it to an inch and a half. That proposal is. Uh, uh, let me see here. I'll get the figures right. That proposal is 39,300 dollars for the complete job, and there's no warranty with that. So we contacted another outfit from Miller's sure, what is it, Miller's bill? Miller's Town up the country. They came down and went over the same uh, project looking at the same thing and they came up with a figure of $25,000 with a two-year warranty. That's a, that's a difference of $14,300. So right away that threw up some red flags. What kind of an outfit is this? That there would be so much difference in price doing the same thing. In fact, I have the two proposals they laid on my desk for a couple days, and I would go back and look at them and compare them. Now they, worded, they were worded different, but basically it's the same, the same work to be done. So I called the company that uh, came in with a low bid. I asked them how long they've been in business, and they said the, the owner's been in business for 28 years. I met Tony Murren, our associate pastor here at the church one day, and I said, you know, maybe it'd be a good idea to check with Better Business Bureau. So, of course, he whipped out his cell phone, and within a minute or two, he had all the information. Nothing on there. And, of course, we realized that only the major problems would end up with Better Business Bureau. But then I thought of asking them for some references, and, of course, they're going to give us some people satisfied, so I didn't go that route. I called the uh, Mr. Werner, the guy that did the SMA, or the measuring and come up with the figures. I said, if I'd come up to your place of business, would you take, have a couple minutes that I could spend because I had a list of questions for them? And he said, of course so. And he said, I want you to meet the owner. So I spent, I guess, nearly an hour with them. And uh, I had a, a lot of questions and he answered them. And I, I came away somewhat impressed with the even with the low, low bid. And I looked at these two proposals and I came up with some, some differences, but not $14,300. Three, $14, so the board is coming with a recommendation that uh, we go with the, with the lower bid for the entire job here at the church for $25,000. So I asked Mr. Warner when he was here uh, to go with me up in the big parking lot because if you've been up there lately, you saw a lot of large cracks, even some vegetation growing up in the cracks. So I asked him for some ideas of what we could do to at least preserve it for the time being. And he came up with three different options. Of course, one one of the options is to do nothing, but we didn't consider that one. The first option would be to clean out the cracks up there and fill them with hot tar. That's like the state does. It'd be the same material that they use. That figure would be $350. They'd do about 500 lineal feet of the cracks. The uh, other option would be to fill the cracks with hot tar and then go over the entire parking lot up there with a seal coat. That would be $2,500. Oh wait. I have that figure here, it's $2,250, $2,250. That would be a project, or that would be a a thing to do to preserve what we have, at least for a couple years. So the board is recommending that we go with the outfit from up the country, and the total cost for that would be $27,250 that would be a complete job here to church, seal the cracks up in the parking lot, and then go over with, a, with a, uh, a clear coat. So now, two weeks from today, I think it's May the 7th or 8th, which is it, Pastor, 7th, 7th, we will have a vote here for the membership of the church, and what we're asking is you vote to approve an expendi- expenditure of $27,250 to do the job. We need that vote from the congregation because of the amount of money. So if you have any questions about the project, talk to one of the deacons or myself. In fact, fact, I even have the proposals with me this morning. If anybody would like to see them, you're welcome to look at them. You may see something that we missed. So thank you, and we look forward to your vote two weeks from today.
0: I appreciate Leonard's work.
1: He did a lot of work in
0: trying to um, figure all this out and meeting with the men and walking them through all of this. And uh, we just think this is going to be a great um, uh, thing to be able to do to improve our uh, facilities uh, on the outside. Uh, We want to come to prayer this morning. And I uh, do have a note from uh, Lance uh, Fox. Uh, I believe that I see him come in. Yes, Lance is with us this morning. Good. Uh, He says, this dear Word of Life family, you have helped my family through many hard times. Sue and myself, we never stood up to become members, but we felt in our hearts that Word of Life was and still is our church. I would like to thank the church people for all the prayers and donations that were done at at my wife's passing. uh, You all were very kind. God bless you all and keep you sincerely, Lance Fox. So continue to pray for uh, Lance uh, in these these days. I I mentioned to you also uh, Linda Williams. Please keep her in prayer. She is now in rehab, uh, so they didn't let her go home yet. Uh, She's in rehab there at the osteopathic hospital, so we need to keep uh, Linda before uh, the Lord as well. So, Father, now as we come before your throne, we are thankful. We are thankful, Lord, that we can come before you, that you are the great God and the great physician. And so, Lord, we bring to you uh, our petitions and our praises. Father, we thank you this morning uh, for the Gideon ministry. We thank you for the many, many Bibles that have been distributed and passed out into the lives of those who, Father, take it and read it. We know that, Father, your word does not return void, but, Father, it accomplishes that which you have sent it out for. And so we thank you, Father, for this great ministry. We pray also, Lord, for Lance and pray that you would continue to comfort him. Uh, Father, the passing of a wife is a difficult thing, and so we pray that your grace and peace might rest upon him. We think then, Father, of uh, Linda Williams, uh, we ask that, Lord, very, very quickly uh, she would be able to get home and be there uh, with her husband. Uh, that's the place, Lord, she is to be. So we commit all of these things, Lord, into your hands. Father, you're a great and wonderful God, and we thank you once again for your word. And, Lord, as we break forth your word, uh, may you once again use it, speak to us, change us, as a result of coming to the place where we have heard and listened to your voice. You're a great God, and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Take your hymn books, if you would, please, and turn with me to hymn number 168, The Day of Resurrection. 168, The Day of Resurrection. The day of resurrection, earth, tell it out abroad. The Passover of gladness, Passover of God. From death to life eternal, birth unto the sky, our Christ hath brought us all with hymns of victory. Our hearts be pure from evil, we may see aright. The Lord in rays eternal, resurrection light, and listening to his accents may hear so-called play his own all hail hearing may raise the victor's strain. now let the heavens be joyful earth her song begin the world resound in triumph all that is therein let all things see and unseen notes of gladness man, Christ the Lord risen our joy that hath no end now I didn't have you stand did I? No and I should have, shouldn't I have? Yes children you may leave I know they always wait until we stand and then they go because we have them. everyone stand so they're not Noticed as much, they can could of just split, but now we just see them walking all by themselves. All right, well, uh, we sang a song about resurrection, and Easter was last week, right? Easter was last week, but what I thought we would do is we would take a look at the post resurrection appearances of Jesus. I spoke of those last week. We spoke about those. Appearances in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, where Jesus uh, was seen by many people. Well, this morning we're going to take a look at the appearance of two men as they're walking on their way to Emmaus. The story is told of an army airborne ranger, and he was learning how to parachute, and he was given by his instructor four steps four steps. First, he was told this, jump when you're told to jump. Secondly, count to ten and pull your ripcord. Third, if the ripcord does not, if the the parachute does not come out, pull the second ripcord. And fourthly, when you land, there will be a truck to take you back to the post. So he's up in the plane, and he's told to jump. He jumps. He pulls the ripcord. Nothing happens. He pulls the second ripcord. Still, nothing happens. And so he thinks to himself, oh no, probably the truck won't be there for me either. (laughs) Someone has once said that most of the saddest words in our English language begin with D. D, words like disappointment, doubt, delusionment, depression, despair, defeat, discouragement, and death. In our journey through life, things happen that we don't expect. And oftentimes we are disappointed. We lose all hope. Have you ever had your dreams shattered? Have you ever been heartbroken? Have you ever had your hopes just dashed to pieces? The appearance of Jesus to these two men on the road to Emmaus. These men were disappointed. These men were discouraged. These men were confused. They were frustrated. For you see, the one they loved most on this earth had died. You know, all of the appearances of Jesus were very important. The one by these two men is the most vivid and most detailed in all the scriptures. Imagine It's late in the day on that first Easter Sunday. It's late in the day. Jesus is now alive. Take your Bibles, if you would, please, and turn to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 24. It's late in the day, and these men are walking. They're walking to a place called Emmaus. And we pick up the story in Luke chapter 24 and verse 1. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took spices. Um, excuse me. Well, yes. Uh, verse 13, I'm sorry. We don't want to start at verse 1. We want to start at verse 13. It says, now on that same day. Well, maybe it's good I read verse 1 because that same day is that first day of the week. But we're at verse 13. Now the same day, that same day, Resurrection Day, Easter Sunday, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. Now, here are two lonely disciples. Two lonely disciples walking for seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. Very little is known about these men. We have the one's name. His name is Cleopas. But certain women have reported that the tomb was empty. These women were saying that the angels said that Jesus was alive. But these disciples were skeptical. They didn't believe. And so they're filled with sadness They're filled with despair. They're filled with great confusion. Thinking about Jesus. No man. No man deserved to die that way. Let alone our Messiah. Messiah was not supposed to die. Messiah was supposed to come and redeem Israel. And deliver us from Roman oppression. He was to set up his kingdom here on earth. But now he's dead. The Jesus we walked with and talked with, he's no longer alive. And so these men are filled with great disappointment and discouragement and sadness as they're walking from Jerusalem, probably have just left the Passover and going back home. But notice the unsettling questions in point number two. At verse 15, we continue. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and he walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still. Their faces were downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem only one visitor in Jerusalem who does not know things that have happened there in these days what things he asked about Jesus of Nazareth they replied he was a prophet powerful in word and deed before God and all the people the chief priests and our rulers they handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but they didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions, they went to the tomb, and they found it just as the women had said, But they did not see Jesus. He, Jesus, said to them, How foolish you are, and how slow to believe all the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Here were the disciples, they're trying to make sense of all the events that have just taken place in Jerusalem. Here are these two lonely disciples trying to piece things together. And Jesus, the Bible says, he walks right up to them. He walks right up beside them. And we read over in verse 16, it says they were kept from recognizing him. They were kept from recognizing him. I believe God was the one who prevented them at this point from knowing who Jesus was. Last week we looked at the resurrection body. I said that it was the same but much different than our bodies today. The same in that there was a recognizable form. There were hands and feet. Jesus was able to eat, but very, very different. And we're going to see some of those differences this morning. But I don't believe this was an unrecognizable form. The disciples, they looked at Jesus and they were kept from recognizing him by God himself. But they thought he was just another traveler. He was just another man that that joined them on the dusty road to Emmaus. And Jesus says this in verse 17, What are you discussing as you walk together? What are you talking about? And the disciples were surprised by that because everybody was talking about the same thing. And that was all the events that took place over the weekend that Jesus had died and he was placed in this tomb. The irony in verse 18 is this, where Cleopas says, are you the only one visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? Are you the only one in town that isn't sure what's going on? The irony is this. It was Cleopas. He was the one who didn't know what was happening, right? And Jesus himself, he knew better than anyone else what was going on. For Jesus is the son of God. He's the omniscient one. Jesus knew everything that was taking place over this weekend. And then Jesus says in verse 19, what things? He wanted for them to explain what they were talking about. And they said, they talked about Jesus being the prophet. They talked about Jesus who was crucified and the women who made this report of the empty tomb and that Jesus was alive. And then they said in verse 21, we had hoped. We had hoped that he was the Messiah. We had hoped That it was Jesus who would come and redeem Israel. You see, they were looking for a military and a a political redeemer. Jesus didn't come that way. Jesus came instead as a spiritual redeemer. Jesus came to save his people from their sins. Jesus came to die on an old rugged cross so that we might be forgiven those who put our faith and trust in him. And the words we have ho- had hoped implies that right now they no longer had that hope. They had it, but they lost it. They were hopeful, but they lost the hope when Jesus died. And then in verse 25, Jesus rebukes them because they were unable to piece all these things together. They should have understood. They had the Scriptures They had the Old Testament. They didn't have the New. But they should have been able to piece things together, taking the Old Testament and understanding that Messiah must suffer first and then the glory. And so Jesus, He began to explain. He began to explain using the Word of God, using the Old Testament as His text. He went back to those Old Testament prophecies and explain to them that Jesus must first die and then the resurrection. He must first suffer and then the glory. It's in that order. And then we have this wonderful discovery. When they urge Jesus to come to their house, and he goes, look at verse 28. And as they approach the village, which they were going, Jesus continued on as as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, stay with us for it is nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he, he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took the bread, he gave thanks, he broke it and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. And he disappeared before their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while we talked, while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? The disciples take Jesus to their house. And there the Bible says he, he, he took bread, he broke it, he gave it to them. Now, it sounds a whole lot like communion, does it not? And it very well could be that he had some type of a Communion service, right there in the home of these two disciples. During the breaking of bread, their eyes, it says in verse 21, 31, their eyes were opened. How were they closed? God closed them. Who opened them? God opened their eyes. Maybe he did use the nail prints in Jesus' hand. We're not exactly sure, but God now wants them to see and to recognize who they have been speaking to. This is more than, I believe, than just a matter of simple recognition. God prevented them from seeing. Now God is going to open their eyes. And as soon as God opens their eyes, they recognize him as Jesus. The Bible says Jesus just disappeared. Another difference of a resurrected body. And they looked at each other. Now that Jesus is gone, and the Bible says their hearts burned within them. Their hearts were set on fire. There's a new fire now burning that had been extinguished three days ago. Three days ago, it was all about doubt and fear and frustration and confusion. There was no hope. But now, this new fire of hope is burning within them. What stirred this fire? Why was it rekindled and restored? They saw Jesus. They saw and recognized Jesus. And, and notice this response of theirs in verse 33 they got up. And they returned at once to Jerusalem. And there they found the eleven and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and has appeared to Simon. And then the two told what had happened on the way and how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke bread. They decide now to go seven miles back to Jerusalem. It's after dark. It's dangerous. But they had to tell the 11 disciples. And so off they go. And they get to Jerusalem, and there are the 11 in the upper room. And they said, it's all true. We have just seen Jesus. Now next week, just to give you a heads up, we're going to start at verse 36. Listen to verse 36, what it says. It says, while they were still talking about this, in this upper room, Jesus himself stood among them and said, peace be with you. He disappears from the two disciples in Emmaus and now here in this upper room behind closed doors, Jesus just appears. Well, we're going to pick up the story there next week. But what was it that set their hearts on fire? What was it that brought these Disciples who were in the valley of despair, in this valley of hopelessness. We read that their faces were downcast. What turned everything around? They saw Jesus. They looked into the face of Jesus and saw their Savior. The hope that was lost now has been found our hope is built on nothing less than jesus blood and righteousness our hope is in the lord who gave himself for me and paid the price of all my sin at calvary We often feel, I suppose, disappointed. There are many times we feel discouraged. We feel defeated. We're going to sing the closing song. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of earth grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and his grace someone said our spirituality it's like an airplane ride the higher we rise the smaller things on earth become father we thank you this morning we thank you for your presence with us we thank you that Jesus Christ is alive and well we thank you Lord for the scriptures that teach us about Jesus As we saw in this video, Lord, we we know Jesus because of the Bibles that we have. As Jesus opened the Old Testament scriptures and expounded to these disciples himself. Father, we look to Jesus when our souls are weary and our souls are troubled. Father, when we feel like we're living in disappointment and despair. Father, our hope is in you. And help us to recognize that this morning. You are great and you're a wonderful God. We thank you for our time this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Hymn number 252, if you would turn with me. O soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for a look at the Savior and life more abundant and free. Let's stand together. And uh, we'll sing all three sandas and be dismissed. Oh, soul, are you weary and troubled? No light in the darkness you see. There's light for us, Gatha Savior and life more abundant and free. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, full in His wonderful face, and the things birth earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace through death into life everlasting he passed and we follow him there over us it no hath dominion for more than conqueror turn your eyes upon jesus look in his wonderful face the things of earth will grow strange in the light of his glory and grace his word shall not fail you promised believe him and all will be well then go to World that is star <coughs> to tell. Turn your eyes upon Jesus, full in his wonderful face. And the things birth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. Father, help us to do what the song has said. Help us, Father, to look to you for hope and strength. For you, Lord, are our strength and our hope. So help us. Help us, Lord, when we feel down. And Father, we feel discouraged. Lift us up as we look into the eyes of Jesus. We pray these things in His name, in His name alone. Amen.